1: Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Pendo Hi everyone this is pivot from new york magazine and the vox media podcast network i'm kara swisher and i'm in my prime that's because my co-host today is journalist and anchor don lemon and don i had to do it i'm sorry
2: i'm glad you are because i'm not i'm old i'm sorry i'm not you're
1: old you're old you're not in your prime creaky when was your prime when was your prime exactly
2: gosh i don't know i mean i'm joking around a little bit but when i can there were you know 10 15 years ago and i could run 10 miles and not you know, die. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it's individual. Obviously we're joking around, but I think it's individual. I, I think people get to decide when they're in their prime.
1: Yes, I agree. Or yeah. right, we're in the prime all the time. Yeah. I've been in my prime since I was born. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about, this is the first time you've talked since you left yeah. Santa. And I think you talked a little bit Um. and it's been out four months that you on Twitter actually said you'd been let go from CNN. First of all, what have you been up to? What have you been doing?
2: I've been going around traveling a lot, actually. I've been doing a lot of traveling, spending time with my family, my fiancé and my dogs. Uh, I've been to Baton Rouge, where my family lives. I've gone to New Orleans. I've gone to Park City. And I've gone to Italy. I've spent some time in Europe. And I've been talking to a lot of people. People approach me all the time and talk to me about issues. But you know what? Guess what they don't really talk about?
1: What don't they talk
2: about? They don't talk about indictments. Very ah. rarely do people talk to me about Donald Trump and indictments. They talk to me about issues that are, you know, pertinent to them in their everyday lives, like beating their families and crime and that sort of thing.
1: So have you learned something? Because, you know, a lot of your shows, you did focus a lot, you know, at CNN on those kind of things. What is it, What has it taught you?
2: That we all live in bubbles. You think that, you know, we would sit, I would sit on that anchor desk every evening and then for a small portion in the mornings Um, a a small amount of my time, the last part of my career at CNN, and you think every every single person is paying attention and they're, you know, they're as up to date as we are about the news and about the issues and they're following, you know, every single development and micro development with Donald Trump in politics, and they're not. Um, And so very, as I said, very rarely do people talk to me about Donald Trump and about indictments, even with the the latest indictments that are happening now. They do talk to me about, honestly, crime, homelessness, mental health, uh, being, they're worried about walking down the street in, in certain parts of the country, in certain cities. Um, and that's what, you know, they want to be able to afford their families, how high rents are, how mortgage rates, that's what they talk to me about. And and they say they miss me on CNN. Yeah.
1: So they, but, but you did spend a lot of time talking about Trump. Do you think, rethink that? Do you rethink why you did that? Cause you were one of his biggest critics. I think, um, you reported on it every night, you and Chris Cuomo and many others at CNN. And of course, right now it's all Donald Trump all the time on that, on that network and a lot of cable networks, not just there.
2: Well, I think it was a moment then. There was a Trump moment. There was a COVID moment, but I think that people are over it when it comes to Donald Trump. I think they understand that he is, at, at the very least, unethical and possibly you know, a criminal. And so I think people get it, and they've moved on with their lives, essentially. If there is some big breaking news, like the developments that happened, I think people tune in for a moment. But I th- I, what I think it, that people have realized now is that they can be informed about, especially issues that come to Donald Trump, but they don't have to be inundated. Um, you, you know, and what I've done, I mean, I I've, have, I have watched very minimal cable news over the past four months. Okay.
1: You have, yeah. has that been good for you? It, have you? It's
2: been the best. I think the experience that I've had just traveling around the country, talking to people, I think it's been, it was an invaluable lesson and a lesson that I would not have gotten unless, you know, this happened to me at CNN. I was at a wedding in New Orleans, a bunch of my, you know, my fiance's former colleague, a lot of conservative, you know, kind of bro guys, right? The Joe Rogan types, everyone, and also in Park City. And people were shocked at, at how all of these guys wanted to talk to me. They wanted to have selfies. They wanted to engage. And they said, man, we never saw the side of you on CNN. Um, you know, why not? I wish you, I wish I was, you should go on Joe Rogan. You should do this because I think it's, you know, it's important. I would listen to you. And so that's been a very valuable lesson for me.
1: Let's talk a little bit about what happened. Um, you know, there were so many reports flying around when you departed. You know, I called you and said, I think you're in trouble um, before it happened. Um, largely because it started to, pu- bu- things started to bubble up. And you had the Nikki Haley uh, comment that you made about prime, which I just joked about.
2: She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley is not in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you that's, call- not aco- Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime they for don't. what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. Say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s, and 40s.
1: If you want to address that, you can. But first, I'd love you to, um, uh, say, what, what happened from your perspective? And since then, Chris Licht, who called you a lightning rod at the time, was out, uh, which must, I don't know if it had fraud for you, but talk a little bit about what happened from your perspective.
2: Well, I'll tell you what I've come to know now that I didn't know at the time, that um more so than anything, that the CNN's the strategy and their content and what they the the direction they wanted to go in that I was not a part of that that they did not want me to be a part of that and I think that has from what has played out publicly as it relates to CNN as it relates to management and um and what they're doing now I think it is it's obvious that I they didn't want me to be a part of that and I think that's a real issue that happened.
1: Mm-hmm. But that changed with Licked, right? Because they came in and he went on and on about centrist, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. You just do what you do, right? Or you make the changes and you don't talk about it. Um, did you Do you think you don't fit into the new CNN or that, that they made the changes? Because it's not unlike, it's not that different from when you were there in terms of reporting and, and other things. Well,
2: I don't know. I haven't, again, I have, have yeah, not been watched watching, yeah. since I've been there. But I know when I was there... Um I, I was not a part of their strategy. And as you you just said, they wanted to be centrist and they wanted to move the, the network in a in a certain direction, uh, which was, you know, kind of a bit surprising because I think the news is the news and it's you know, you don't choose a direction. It just is.
1: Right, it just is. So how what what do you think people got wrong about you leaving? and and what happened later is the person who had really fired you essentially um, got fired.
2: I think that says it all. I mean, what more do I need to say? It's
1: <laughs> You haven't talked to him, have you? Sorry, dude.
2: <laughs> no. Why on earth would I do that? I have not I have not spoken. I have not, I spoken. I have not spoken to him, no.
1: You haven't spoken to him. No. But how do you, do you think it vindicates you or do you think it it um
2: Yes, I do. Because I Why? read the story and you speak to the people who are there and um I think people get what happened all you have to do is read the Atlantic story read the subsequent stories that came out and um you know how it played out and they're gone now so do I feel vindicated in that sense yes I do
1: do you feel like you made any mistakes cuz you've had many over the many years lots of anchors not just you've had issues you know said things that you didn't want obviously the Nikki Haley comments I think it was just used as a predicate to to move you along, or the Vivek uh, Ramaswamy ones, which I I watched again and thought well, I'm not sure what's wrong here. Particularly, it's an argument and debate, and with a, with someone who has a particular co- point of view. Um, do you feel that? Do you feel bad about saying those things? Uh, I think probably in the Nikki Haley comments. I'm not so sure about Vivek.
2: Well, let me just. I mean, you've. You, I think you just said it. You've watched cable news, and especially you know I would sit there three hours, sometimes four hours or longer, either at night or a day, and you, there there are no words in. There you're having conversations. And anchors say things all the time that they wish. People on television say things all the time. You've said things all before, I'm sure, that that came out wrong, that you wish you had said in a different way. Yeah.
1: I don't get into trouble like you did. I don't get into trouble, which is interesting. Well,
2: I hadn't gotten into trouble for making mistakes before because I would apologize for them or explain what I intended to say. And it would be fine because I think people understood that that's the way it works in television. And so if you, I think what you're insinuating and what you said, that there were some issues at play that I weren't aware of. um I said that in my statement, you know, that I released on Twitter after I left CNN. And so I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah.
1: Right, and when you when you think about uh, the comment about Haley, you did explain it and apologize, but you did not. You weren't allowed allowed to say it right away. Is that correct? Uh, Is that, I, from what
2: I, I, if you're asking, so I'm I'm going to speak the truth now.
1: Mm-hmm. I was okay.
2: never allowed to address the issue on the air. I wish that I could mm-hmm. have, but I I was never yeah. allowed to.
1: Yeah. I I always kept thinking if Jeff Zucker would have been in five seconds, you would have said, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm such an asshole or something like that.
2: Well, (laughs) yes. And I probably would have said it like that. Um, And you're speaking my language now. The best person, the best, the best news executive that I've ever worked for in my entire 20 some years, even almost 30 years in this business was Jeff Zucker. Who understood Mm -hmm. those things? He understood that, you know, when you're, when you're in those conversations, just as in your your regular conversations that you have across a dinner table or at a restaurant, you don't always say things perfectly and you're not going to say that on television. And he was very supportive of us and he wanted us to, um, not necessarily be provocative, but just to be ourselves. And if we got something wrong, we apologized. We explained it and he supported us and we moved on doesn't have to be the end of the world or a big issue unless you're looking for a reason to get rid of someone.
1: Yeah, actually, which is why I texted you. I was like, oh, no. After I saw that one story, I was like, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. This is going to be used. So um, you were you just mentioned Zap Zucker. I agree with you. I think it's the most most if not the most talented television executive one of them do you think he should go back i know there's rumors and he uh, that he wanted to acquire cnn his representative associates have denied them but it's pretty clear <laughs> cnn is on the market it, it, it feels like it's going on the market or maybe you know they have. They aren't replacing Chris Lake yet. They have a, a, a group of people you worked with for a long time. Most of them. Do you do you think he should buy it or who? What should happen to it?
2: Oh, that's a big question. Look, I, There's this whole story in the media that you know. I, I don't know if you saw it that we were. I was on vacation with Jeff and we were, you know yes. discussing. Yes. None Photos of that's true. Seen. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you how I don't discuss CNN, um, and I very frequently talk about it or think about it. I look, you you know me a little bit. I look to the future um and I live in the present, I look to the future. I don't look back. I had 17 almost 17 great years at CNN. And the last part, you know, bit wasn't so great, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Um look, I'm just going to be really honest with you. Is there there isn't a better person Alive who could run CNN. And I don't know if there's anyone who could do it. I mean, look, someone can do it. I don't know if they can, they'll do it well, but I think the best person to run CNN, uh, was and would be Jeff Sucker. Do I think he's going to go back? No. Do I think he's going to buy it? You'd have to ask him. I doubt it. I don't talk to him about those things. Um, but why would he in this, uh, environment and considering, you know, what's happening now? I mean, why would he want to go back and why would he subject himself to that?
1: Well, there's there's a scenario where you could do things with it. It just because something is waning at this point doesn't mean it has to wane. If
2: anyone could save CNN if it needs saving, if that's you want to put it in that context, it would be Jeff Zucker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. I know you're not watching it, but they announced a new primetime lineup. Well, all women, except for Anderson Cooper, Abby Phillip in your old 10 p.m. slot. Do you have any advice for them at all? That they needed two people to replace me?
2: Kidding. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um ah. i I don't know what advice I would give them because I think the environment that they're working in is different than the environment that I worked in I was mm-hmm. given um, well tell me
1: why is it different why is well it different? because
2: I was given the freedom to be me and um and I didn't have to suffer uh with election deniers I didn't have to platform people who weren't deserving of the platform now listen I don't know if that's What's going on with them, but I didn't have to to deal with any of those things. But look, they're I, the people; those guys are the best in the business. And Abby is very talented. Uh, Laura Coates is very talented, mm-hmm. and she's on at eleven. Yeah, they're gonna yeah, they're gonna do things on their own. I don't think that they need an, any advice from me. I would just the any advice I would say is Abby just be the great person that you are. Um, and I would tell Laura just to be the smart attorney that she is and just to be themselves. And um,
1: Well, there's a lot of legal stuff. We are going to, unfortunately, talk about Trump because there is a lot of news in that. We have a lot of things to talk about, actually. But let me just say, you and I, so speaking of that, when you think about where you are, you are 17 years at CNN. You and I chatted on my old show back in 2021 in Sway in the New York Times that in this interview where I asked where we'd find Don Lemon in 10 years, here's what you said. <laughs> Let's listen to it.
2: Okay, so here's the thing. Don't tell anybody.
1: Okay, we won't.
2: I really love what I do, Um, and I love I love being on in a time where I have almost complete editorial freedom. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could have that editorial freedom at nine. I'm not sure, but I think at ten o'clock I can pretty much say and do whatever I want, and I do. So I think you'll see me. You know, you might see me sort of in doing the same thing but differently. Maybe on my own network. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a Don Lemon subscription network.
1: <laughs> oh, a Don Lemon subscription. Manifesting. Don Lemon Plus.
2: Manifesting. Don Lemon Plus.
1: Manifesting. <laughs> Manifesting. Uh, is that, would you still do that? Is that in play? I'll ask the same question. Where will we find Don Lemon in 10 years?
2: There are a lot of things in play. Listen, I think that, uh, uh, listen, correct me if I'm wrong, Kara. Um, I was having dinner with an old friend last night who was in television who ran um, a network for a long time, and he said that just recently that streaming and digital or online had surpassed linear television for the first time. Yes. Okay yes indeed. So if that gives you an indication to where I'm going and well, I don't know if it's streaming, but it's whatever it's it's going to be probably streaming and in the digital space. It doesn't mean that I don't want to work in traditional linear television anymore, especially over the next 14 months. I expect to have a voice. so stay tuned for that. but um, I think I want to do something next that scares the shit out of me. And um, I had a very successful career in cable news for a long time. Um, I got to do and say exactly what I wanted wanted to. Um, it was I, I have a, I have and had a very important voice that most people don't get to hear uh, in on that platform and still don't. And I expect that to continue. but I I'm gonna lean into the future of this medium and uh, and do, Something that scares me.
1: So John Lemon Plus. Interesting. So would that be like a show? Like, would you join Chris over at News Nation, Twitter, podcast? Or I assume you're going to join Tucker Carlson over there. I know you too. There (laughs) was that back and forth right when you left. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I think I wrote you like, please don't. Please, no,
2: please it's don't. not that. It was uh, look. I think because of the the weird universal, the y- the universe, the timing of uh, firing, yes. yeah, of uh, both of us at the same. It was like, hey, how weird was this?
1: I I think of you together all the time. I think about you and Tucker is yes yeah. joined at the hip. You do, but but,
2: but no but uh Tucker and I are not friends um and I don't know I don't know what's in our future listen I never say never to working with anyone I would like to be able to reach a a bigger and different audience I don't want to keep preaching to the choir uh, and I don't want to keep preaching to a diminishing audience or speaking to a diminishing audience I would like to grow my audience and be able to reach more people as I said I was su- quite frankly pleasantly surprised by how many people i thought would hate me cuz a lot of them do uh, but after engaging with them they were very interested and wanted to hear what i had to say and I actually i think i've reached some of them and, and changed their minds i just think that sometimes it's very um you know unidimensional um when you're on television it's just you have you know it, you're doing one singular thing and people only hear one thing from you and I think what people don't get, and especially what's happened to me over the last couple of months, is that you don't always say things that you necessarily believe, right? Meaning sometimes you are, um, you have to play devil's advocate. Sometimes you have to say, well, there are people who are out there who may believe this to be true. What do you think about that? And I think we get so upset by that, by saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe that they're doing that." You know, or you're saying that doesn't mean that I believe that. Sometimes you're just being analytical, or you're trying to create a conversation, and then you end up, you know, um, chastising people or canceling them. We have to stop that because then you don't really you have you have fake conversations. Then.
1: Oh, I agree. I have a lot of people I disagree. with. I mean, with look at you shows. and Scott. It's, yeah.
2: I, yeah. I, I would love to have a relationship. On television, or on a podcast, or on whatever it is I choose to do, like you and Scott have, because it's real, and yeah. it, no one, yeah. you know, there are no snowflakes in these conversations.
1: No, no, it gives people permission to disagree. I, you know what I mean? If I like, if he says something stupid, you know, and and I go, I laugh at it, and and know it's what it's meant as. I think it gives people permission to calm the fuck down. Yeah,
2: and if you if know, know it's sense. not him. He's it's you two bantering. Sometimes it
1: is. Sometimes uh, he and I had a trans argument that was quite substantive. It was interesting because we learned from each other. And he does it with me. He calls me the mayor of Wokistan, but I don't think I am. Anyway, it's an, an interesting no, that's. Int- I think that's great.
2: And we should talk about trans issues too, because people actually talk to me about that more than they talk to me about indictments.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, well, what we will talk about We're going to get into issues. Last question I have. Um, when you say more sides of Don Lemon, that Don Lemon contains multitudes, um, That's not, is that interviewing? Is that singing? Is that what, what do you... <laughs> It's
2: honestly, Kara, and I didn't expect to go this far, but I will a little bit. It's it's all of it. I mean, it, you'll see me doing something that is multifaceted. Uh, it will be more than one platform, and um, if I decide to do it. But as you know, I don't have to rush back to work, right? So, right, um, yeah you know i'll see but i'm gonna sort of figure it's a good time for me to figure it out i just don't want my voice to be lost over the next 14 months so invite me back on as often as possible
1: i shall 100 (laughs) percent. all right don let's go on a quick break we come back we'll talk about the latest trump indictment
0: support for this show comes from virgin atlantic let's talk travel whether you're setting off on a business trip or taking that well-deserved summer vacation, we're always so focused to getting to our destination that we forget to embrace the journey. Well, when you fly Virgin Atlantic, it serves as a reminder that a memorable trip begins right from the moment you check in. That's why they offer loads of special touches to truly elevate your time in the sky, such as in-flight movies, music, TV, and podcasts that you actually can't wait to dive into a snack bar that you can help yourself to at any time, and an iconically British high tea high up in the clouds. They've got these little salt and pepper shakers that you're encouraged to pocket as your first souvenir. And if you're feeling really fancy, how about a wine tasting experience at 38,000 feet? Uh, So really, we're just getting started from their brilliant next level service to the food, the entertainment, the planes, the clubhouse, the crew, and so much more. These are just a few of the many special touches that make me love flying with Virgin Atlantic. And I do, I fly Virgin Atlantic a lot. Check out virginatlantic.com for your next trip to London and beyond. And see for yourself how traveling for business can always be a pleasure. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because, individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
1: Don, we're back for our second big story. I know you don't want to talk about Trump, but this is a big deal this week with Fonny, uh, uh Willis. Um it's a, it's, a, he, it's okay. He's calling it a witch hunt. I want to see the new Don. Surprise, surprise. After we recorded the pod earlier this week, we learned that the former President Trump had been indicted yet again, this time in Georgia. His new 13 counts include racketeering, making false statements, pressuring public officials to violate their oath of office. He's accompanied by 18 of his... His friends, I guess, his crew, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, and Jenna Ellis. If you're keeping score at home, that makes four indictments for Trump in the last five months, two federal cases, one New York criminal case, one Georgia criminal case with a total of 91 felony counts between the four indictments. He has until noon on August 25th to voluntarily surrender to authorities where he will have a mugshot and fingerprints. Do you think he shows up on the 25th?
2: That's the question, isn't it? Because that he, and then what do you do? Because there are really no levers in our Constitution that will, can prevent him from running. You hit upon a very interesting conversation that I've been talking to people about. Look, I think that it is good that finally Donald Trump and all of his cronies may be facing some very tough um, consequences, and they should. But if people are sitting at home all day in front of cable news thinking that they're going to see Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit, I don't really think that that's going to happen. I think the the consequences and the ramifications of putting a former president in jail, it's really tough because of who you're going to put him in with. What do you do with the Secret Service? What does that mean for state secrets? Um, how does that compromise the country? So I think, you know, in the end, there will be some sort of deal made, but the question is, what do you do? What do you do with him? Is he above the law? In many ways, he is above the law, and I know that's awful. People don't want to hear it. Um, he will go, and he'll have to face the, the the process. But then, in the end, do you want someone, even if you think Donald Trump is the most terrible person on earth? He was the leader of the free world, and he knows a lot. What?
1: Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm.
2: what position does that put his family in, his family members, if he's in jail with someone and they threaten this, you tell me this, or, you know, I'm just going through the motions.
1: Well, most people think he'd probably be under house arrest with Mar-a-Lago. So if he's
2: he's under house arrest in Mar-a-Lago, that's fine. I think that's a good, you know that that's good if he is indeed found guilty and i think that is when when i say to people do you really think donald trump is going to jail and i say i don't think it's going to happen well they say they they'll say well maybe they can strike a deal where he won't run for public office and i Mm -hmm. think that's that's also a good compromise as well the best position the best option i think quite frankly would be for him to go to jail i'm just being a realist here how does that happen are we surprised that all of these people we're doing what they were doing. How long have we known this, Kara? We've known this for and a long time. And there was reporting.
1: Time. You had it on your show. So, you know, the New York Times had it. Washington Post had a lot of this. Nothing is fresh and new here from a per- reporting perspective, which is it's just the detail. It's the detail. No,
2: I reported on Fannie Willis back in yeah. February or March, I think February, that, that she was going to use the RICO statue to go after Donald Trump and that it was a top down issue for him that that, you know, he was directing or people in high positions were directing people in lower positions to do certain things and they were going to use a RICO statute. And that, you know, what happened just a couple days ago has just finally come to fruition. But I I had that reporting exclusively a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: something we've typically seen prosecuting members of organized crime. That's how they Rudy Giuliani used it to great effect, in fact. And he's now is that amazing. It is fantastic. It's like,
2: (laughs) well, what do you think? That's a thing. Are you surprised by? All of this I, do you think no, he will go to jail I, no
1: i do not i do not. i think i think the the technicalities of putting a former president in jail i think he will push it right up to the line i agree um he's taking a big risk but at the same time as i had on uh chris christie recently in an interview and he said he's terrified of jail um there may be a part of his lizard brain that says i oh no this this is a big risk and he eventually went bankrupt right he eventually does take his medicine on some level. I think he no one is above the law. I do think the law it needs to be flexible in this weird weird situation of a person who's shameless. That's that's really Well, where people
2: it will is. get upset for hearing us say that and that's that's the issue that we were talking about. You, even if you're just analytical technically, technically, how do you technically do you like what like, like, right? would would honestly considering what Donald Trump has done to me the safety mm-hmm. of my family yeah. um, that, I, you, as you know, I, you know, I've dealt yeah. with de- death threats. I had to go and do, you know, victim impact statements in court. He called me all kinds of names, you know, you know, the only thing he didn't. What was what's the word that he's using? Oh, the only thing that he didn't call me publicly was riggers. but. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> you know, he's using the riggers word. Never mind. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah. so right. would I like to see him in jail if if he is found guilty? Yes. But do I think that that is going to happen? The technicalities, as you say, I think it's very difficult, um, for that. But you're, you're disappointing a lot of people by saying what you're saying. You know that, right?
1: Yes. No, I get it. I get it. I just, uh, I'm like, uh, techni- it's technically speaking. Now I do think one way it might be different is a visual state rules would allow for a televised trial here, which he would love. It also, as I said, might see a mugshot, um, which may be good and bad for Trump.
2: That's when people will care. That's when the TV ratings will go sky that's when people will tune in to cable news or whatever it is if he goes to court especially in Georgia if there are cameras in the courtroom because he's good television it'll be the oj of you know the present oj simpson trial if that happens right. if there are cameras in right. the courtroom
1: that's a really good comparison and we well, we know how that ended up although i wouldn't say oj uh, you know he did get away with allegedly got away with murder um and i think he but his life did not get better after that i mean i think it never got better. well i don't think donald trump's
2: life got better after he became president i I, I never understood why people want to be president of the united states and if i was donald trump and i lived in a you know in a in a a high rise and with gold gold gold-plated toilets and i had my own jet why would i Subject myself to all this scrutiny. I would just have a great life well, and live in the. It's a great TV show. I think
1: he, I think you're right. It's going to be a television show and he's good television. Um, now, speaking of television, the first Republican primary debate is happening next week in Milwaukee. Um, one, do you think he'd show up for it? And two, if you were doing it, you, you've done debates, correct? You've I have. Done-
2: I've done a number of them. The last one was in Detroit with the. Um, All the Democratic candidates.
1: So what would you ask if Trump is there and if he isn't there?
2: What would I ask the other candidates?
1: Yes. What would you ask if if he wasn't there?
2: My question would be the same to even if he was there or wasn't there. I would ask them why they continue to support because many of them supported him for a long time. And now they're just starting to say, you know, the election wasn't stolen and Donald Trump isn't right. You know, and, and they still hedge. So I would ask them that question, why they continue to to support someone who has, you know, been indicted um, four times, who has been impeached, who uh, tried to overthrow the government, uh, who encouraged an insurrection, uh, who says the nastiest things about not only them, but about their families, why they continue to support. And if that if they continue to support someone like that, does that are they qualified to be the leader of the free world?
1: Oh, okay. What would you ask him? What would you ask him?
2: Why he thinks he's above the law. Um, why all of the, the very best people that he put into place turned out to be the very worst people and ended up either in jail or under indictment. Um, I would ask him why he cares more about himself than the country. And I would ask him why he continues to co-op the most vulnerable people in our society and why he's a racist, uh, why he is a sexist.
1: Would you use that term?
2: Yes. I would. Because he. I asked him in 2016 if he was racist, and he said he wasn't. And I would ask him why he lied to me. Because, you know, as it turns out, he, the evidence shows that he absolutely is. I think I was the first person on television to say that. I opened my mm-hmm. show one night yeah, by you saying got in trouble. You the got, president of the United States is racist.
1: I remember. I remember yeah. that. That was a big But risk.
2: where's the lie?
1: But although you know CNN did benefit, as did other cable news, sort covering him, he's holding a major news conference this Monday at Bedminster, sh- saying, you know, proof should the media cover it? They have to, right? He's the front runner.
2: Uh, I uh, the media should cover it. I don't. I don't think they have to do it live. Mm-hmm. I think that they can. You know, we don't cover when when you know I'm not in uh, in cable news anymore. But you don't have to cover every single event live. And there's a reason for the seven second delay, or you can, you know, you can get the information, look it over, and then disseminate it afterwards and add context to it, which I think is a responsible thing to do. But I don't like giving, you know, dictators or, um, or liars or insurrectionists or election deniers, I don't like giving them a platform, especially not live. And I think we learned our lesson in 2016 by running live Trump. Town halls, when it was all lies, and those those things penetrate.
1: They do, but now he's the front runner. Though, how do you avoid that? I, I think about this all the time. How do you? Well, you can it? cover him. Someone, you can send someone's the camera. like, don't platform care. I'm like, how do you not talk about a man who's at fifty four percent or whatever the number he's at?
2: Well, you can talk about him, but again, you don't have to put all of his lies on in real time. A Twitter deplatformed him.
1: Well, now not actually. They helped him. Now, yeah, they tried they to help him avoid. Yeah. Jack Smith had to get a lot of Twitter data, Elon which Musk, they, yeah. Elon Musk did that. You know, yeah. slowed it slowed it down. Slow roll. I it. think
2: you have to talk about him, but you know, we had the same issue when you know for Kanye. You know, do you platform him when he's you know making anti-Semitic remarks? Um, you know, it's a little bit different when you're you know. The front runner and the former leader of the free world—it's a little bit different. But I think you've got to be—you've got to be careful, and you have to measure. You have to be very careful and very measured about how you cover cover him. You don't have to, you know, put on every tweet or every what is it, um, truth social post that he that he puts out. You don't have to do those things. There's a reason for that. You have standards and practices, and um, you know, you take things through an editorial process. Right, and right. I think that news organizations have to do that. They've got to be responsible. You know what I would ask Donald Trump too? I wonder. I would ask Donald Trump. I wonder what your mother. What do you think your mother would think of you?
1: Mm. She seemed rather passive.
2: And what you're what you're doing and what you've done.
1: Mm-hmm. She'd love yeah. me. He'd answer. What do we do then? She'd love me, Don. I see. I always anticipate what people will say.
2: But say she'd love you. You think she'd love the way you speak? You know about um, which McCallit's wife. You think she'd love the what you were what you were found guilty of for Eugene Carroll? would your mom would she love that
1: yeah you'd have to be prepared i'll tell yeah. you that's the one because you know elon musk's mom is very supportive of all the things he says and i you know i, I, saw I don't her know recently by the way did you Said yeah. hello yeah yeah interesting well she's supportive yeah. of him she does yeah. she attacked me for big- being very normally critical about his COVID policies at his companies. She, she yeah, it's
2: interesting because he he says it's okay to criticize him, but you know, well, you know, my mom would probably be a little bit upset too. But my mom would also tell me the truth about myself. <laughs>
1: That's what I do. I told my sons, I said, "You pull anything like this, it's over for you. It's over." My son took my daughter's mermaid this morning. One of my kids, and I—that was that—would not stand in my home this morning. Did um, they see Barbie? They are you? No, not the little ones. The older ones did. The two older yeah,
2: ones did. And they loved yeah. it. did you see? Uh, it?
1: You know what? I loved it. I loved it. It's. Let me tell you, I'm in Provincetown right now, and it is a Barbie summer here, as as it is everywhere. <laughs> the as boys are wearing everywhere. pink everything everyone's everybody it's a barbie and a ken summer ken and barbie and you can imagine what they're doing here with that they're enjoying themselves in, in quite in quite a lot of ways but let me let me let me get to another few stories in that regard you mentioned there's two things i want to talk about one is the trans issue you know what i mean like here Uh, Let me tell you, we have, we took a picture of my son with some, there's a lot of trans people here, a lot of drag queens, et cetera, a beautiful picture. And my wife didn't want me to post it because she's like, I don't want us to get called groomers. I don't want it linked to a thing. And I thought, fuck them. Like, why can't I post? It's a wonderful picture. You can't see his face. It's a beautiful picture. And the fact that we're thinking of it with all, like, talk about what people are talking to you about trans issues,
2: well, there are people who are very supportive of the LGBTQ community who have some concerns about, um, you know, what your wife said. And um, listen, I I think people should be supportive of the LGBTQ community, but I don't expect every business to to throw up a pride flag. And I don't know if it's their business to that they have to that they they should. I would rather have their support and votes. Um, I would rather have uh, them as an ally rather than alienate them. And I think there are a lot of people who are supporters of the LGBTQ community and of the trans community who feel alienated by some of the things that are happening. Um, Whether that's fair or not, that's the reality. Uh, I just, I just, I had this conversation on Sunday with family members of my fiance who are, you know, one of them had had a Bud Light. And I said, oh, you're still drinking Bud Light, like jokingly. He goes, yeah. And he talked, and they talked about it. And they're like, look, I support the LGBTQ community, but there are real consequences for what happened. Yeah. Look at well, what happened to the profits. Speaking of
1: But, you know, quarterly yeah. sales fell at Target for the first time in six years due in part to the backlash.
2: And Bud Light lost 10% of their profits. Yeah. Or Budweiser. And
0: as a Yeah, now
1: they're moving back again. They're yeah. moving back again. Moving It'll forward. come back. Yeah, they, they're they going to fine tune their approach to Heritage Months in terms of displays. CEO Brian Cornell said on an earnings call that consumers you target as their happy place, the company will do what it can to learn, lean into that moving forward. I'm not sure but why. Do,
2: I don't think you can you can pin that 100% on what happened. No, with... you can't.
1: You can't. You can't. Yeah, but in Bud Light's case, uh, it led to $395 million in lost U.S. sales. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, do, do you, have, why is this transition becoming such a big issue from your perspective?
2: I think it's, look, it's, um, how do I say this without getting, you know, even, you know, members of my community are upset. The whole trans issue is sort of new to a lot of people, right? And so, you know, one day it won't be. And so people have a lot of questions about it. You know, just as a journalist asking questions for people who may not have all the knowledge, um, I would get yelled at and screamed at and, and uh, accused of being having some sort of internalized homophobia because I was asking questions for people who didn't know. And so I think that you have to, you know, I I often felt like the African-American authority, right? Being the only person of, um, of color in prime time on a cable. And, you know, I felt like I had to a- answer questions about being black. In Americans, and and I had to ask questions coming out early in the media about being gay, Um, and sometimes you just have to do that, and you have to understand that people don't know, and if you can offer them some information, you do it, uh, and you you know, was it upsetting sometimes? Did I get sick of it sometimes? Yes, I did, but that's the only way that people learn. And so I ha- I think you have to take people you have to meet people where they are and it can be frustrating and I think sometimes with the trans issue people get really sensitive um and they don't understand that this is a new and very difficult issue for people to understand it just it just is it I, I wish it wasn't that way but it's it just is and it, you know what Kara? quite frankly it's a tough issue for even um members of my community You know, they don't get the pronouns. They don't get to the, well, are trans people gay? Are they straight? They're not necessarily this. Why are they part of the community? You've heard that.
1: Yes, a lot. And
2: so, you know, can you, we would like heterosexual people to be able to understand everything Mm -hmm. all the time, but Mm -hmm. they don't, and sometimes they just have questions. um,
1: Sometimes my feeling, what I tend to do is say, what do you care what people call themselves? What do you, why, why is this an issue? Why are you totally all agree. wrapped around a, an axle about this? Like, what do you care if people want to call themselves Phyllis or they? I don't care. It's like, it's it's so it's hard for you, big deal. Like, it's hard for you to pronounce names of certain people too, right? And you're just going to have to, that kind of thing. I, I've had lots of discussions with people about this. And I tend to, I, I usually tend to be like, tell me how it affects you and then they then they sort of get drawn into a better conversation than you're a fucking idiot i'm thinking you're a fucking idiot but i'm not saying that in some it's ways it's a
2: big and important issue the trans issue listen and and i am extremely supportive of, of the trans community and as you know um right now we you know we deal with trans issues probably more than any other issue within the lgbtq community if you go to any event for L- the lgbtq Well, they're under siege that, with laws they're under <laughs> siege and so i'm very supported it's, I don't understand why people have such an issue with it. I understand why they're curious about it. I don't understand why they have such an issue with it because it's a very small, small part of our population. Candidates
1: like Ron DeSantis and others gin it up. And now, of course, they're backing off of it. It's not working particularly. Speaking of which, a lot of people are talking this week about the 2009 film, The Blind Side, which is supposedly based yeah. on a true story, but maybe not so much. As a reminder, this was a movie starring Sandra Bullock who won an Oscar for a role about Leanne uh, Tui, who brought homeless teenager Michael, Michael or into her family, or now former NFL player, is alleging that Toohey, uh family never actually adopted him, instead put him into a conservatorship and exploited him for years. The Tui family is denying those claims, is making a few new claims of their own, even mentioning a shakedown for $15 million. Uh, uh, Michael Lewis seems to be backing, who wrote the book, The Blind Side, a very well-known journalist, um, uh, saying that, that nobody made money from this movie. I think that was one of the things, the, whether they made money from the book and the movie. You interviewed Leanne back in 2013 ahead of, uh, yes, you did, of Pet Michael playing in the Super Bowl that year. Uh, do you remember it or I not? I don't.
0: You I don't. don't. Oh i, I gonna be honest with you. I don't. <laughs> I do this all
1: the time. I do. I know all. people
2: say, are oh, you interviewed such and such? I was trying to remember if I interviewed someone recently, I think it was the, the two ladies that are involved in the Georgia case, you know, yes, the whole movie yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I said, did okay. I interview her or did I read like a transcript of her? And I can't right. remember.
1: <laughs> I do because that too.
2: I was on, listen, I was on television at least two hours, a night, five days a week and I it, guests come in and out, and I don't remember. I don't remember interviewing her, but I'm sure she's a she's a very nice lady. I don't remember yeah. it
1: though. Do you have any thoughts on this? I only brought it up because you did interview her. I want to
2: see what the you know what happens with the the lawsuit um, because people allege things all the time, and you know we have to see what happens. I'm not saying that that's uh, th- this case, and that but that's what a journalist does. You wait for all the facts to come out, and if there is any money to be made. Gotten from, you know, from Michael Orr. I think Michael Orr should get that money. Right, uh, right. And I think he was an adult at the time and he should have been allowed to make his own decisions as an 18 year old person, mm-hmm, uh,
1: mm-hmm. whether
2: he got the money or lost it or saved it or whatever. I think it should have been his own decision.
1: I think one of the more interesting parts of it is how he was portrayed in that movie is kind of thick and dumb and the white people teach him. Well, you it's know? a white he, savior. Complex, yeah, exactly. You know? Like, yeah. but a lot. Now, when I saw it the other day, it's interesting when you rewatch things. Uh, I it was happy. It's on TV all the time, which is interesting. Um I was like uncomfortable suddenly, you know what I mean? Like, I guess I was uncomfortable watching that
2: movie from the beginning. I love Sandra Bullock. I thought she did a good job. I don't think she's, she Mm -hmm. won an Oscar, didn't she? I don't
1: think,
2: I don't think that she should give her Oscar back because she only did her job that she, she's not involved in that. She, there was a a book, a screenplay and she did her and you know, and then the movie she did her job. So I don't think, you know, props to Sandra Bullock. I really like her. I think she's amazing. But, um, uh, the whole movie about the white savior thing was always uncomfortable for me. And I remember when I was writing my book and an editor, I talked about, uh, I forget, there was something that happened and there was this little white kid. And I went back and I read it in the editor and I said, I don't want to do this because this makes this kid seem like a white savior. And they were like, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. All right. You know, let's let's work on that. But. um I went back. You know what I did recently? I went back and watched. I watched the um, Rock Hudson documentary. I think it was, oh, yeah. on, mm-hmm. was it on HBO or, or yeah. something. And, um, and so it got me onto Dynasty. Uh-huh. And I went back and I watched Dynasty <laughs> from the very what? beginning.
1: No. And there oh, was the whole
2: character with Steven, the gay son. And um, I felt differently about the series than when I watched it originally.
1: What did you feel? What's the difference?
2: The way that the character was portrayed was terrible. You know, he went back and forth about being gay and straight. You know, the the dad, which was Blake Harrington, which is John Forsythe, killed the son, got off with, kill, killed the son's boyfriend and got away with it. And then through his entire life, he was embarrassed about his son being gay. It was like, Jesus, what the f- Fuck man. This was terrible. And This was the 80s. I said no wonder people didn't come out then.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it was I I literally I remember watching and it was always you know sad gay people. You remember I that did
2: not side. like John Forsythe's character. You I did not. actually oh, related no. more to, you know, joan collins
1: yeah i'll give you a new one in your free time Don's. until you decide whether to hook up with uh tucker carlson or not um is <laughs> i can't um, believe
2: we're talking about dynasty and i know carlson right right
1: um is go watch three's company literally 90 rape jokes a second like you know what i mean like oh and he had and to in rape. order
2: to live with two women and be he, yeah, had, he had to, to, to be pretend gay gay pretend and, and then gay. but oh then when gosh. they're talking
1: about like getting women it's very like Hubba hubba! Give her a drink. Like you're like what? Like when you watch it, you're sort of like, oh no. Kara, that's all
2: watch is old television, and it's so terrible.
1: Stop watching old television. Go watch West Wing again. Go, that'll work. That stands up. I love West Wing. All right, my last question here, and then we're going to get to predictions because we're almost done. Is who would you want to interview right now? You're a very good interviewer. You did. Tons of, you don't even remember interviewing Leanne
2: Dewey. Do <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry.
1: But it's okay. Um, who would you want to interview right now? Right now?
2: Besides you? Yeah. Funny um, Willis. Oh, okay. Um, I would want Funny Willis, Alvin Bragg, and Jack Smith. Oh. I would like to sit down with all three of them.
1: Wow. They would never yeah. do that. You know that, Don. you're No, aware.
2: but I would like to. I, I mm-hmm. would actually, um, yeah, I would interview Donald Trump yeah i mean but it would be a, the most uncomfortable interview that you have ever seen
1: oh i bet oh my god you know where i would do it as i i said if i interviewed him at mar-a-lago with like velvet ropes with the, the let, let him bring his crowd in think about you would
2: that. You, at mar-a-lago that. in a bathroom
1: no not in the bathroom with a shower curtain <laughs> let's go see the bathroom sir <laughs> uh i'd be i'd call him sir a lot and i would have it in the middle of the lobby at mar-a-lago and there would be velvet ropes around us so that people could watch yeah, you know I would I mean?
2: do it. I would do it with his crowd. I would not with be afraid crowd. of his crowd as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah I would do yeah, it at I would yeah. do it at a Trump rally. I wouldn't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you might be a little more troubled than me. In any case. Um all right, Don, one more quick break and you have to come back with a prediction, okay? Okay.
0: All right. Support for pivot comes from hidden layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named most innovative startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution.
1: Okay, Don, let's hear a prediction.
2: Okay, here's my prediction. I predict that even with all of the indictments that Donald Trump will be the nominee because they have no other choice. The only person who is really speaking truth right now is Chris Christie and the Republican Party... Will
1: Heard a little bit. I ...doesn't seem him.
2: to want him. Will, Hur- will Hurd, um is... A bright guy, I'm not sure he has the support of the party
1: yeah, and and
2: the star power, sadly, um, to win a presidential election at this point. I think it will be tough for the Republican Party to win. I predict that Joe Biden will win the next election.
1: All right. Oh, that's a good one. OK, Joe Biden. Joe Biden will win again. Once again, you know, he wins by not saying anything. Like, he just sits on the beach, and he seems to go up in the folds. Yeah, crazy. that's another
2: thing that people yeah. are talking about, but yeah. that's for another time.
1: Yeah, I know. The, the age thing. That We've discussed that many times, but you have, nonetheless. You, you've
2: discussed it on, yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, Think yeah. it's a big
1: deal? Big deal? I
2: do think it's a big deal. Listen, I don't, you know, it makes me uncomfortable talking about people's age. My mom is 80, and she's a very young um, 80. I think, uh, you know— Joe Biden has, you know, he has the stuttering thing that we talked about on top of what happens. And his people have to, like, stop letting him fall down like putting obstacles in his way or what have you.
1: Yeah, but he's um, pretty fit. I have to tell you, he's pretty Dude, fit. he
2: is pretty fit. Listen, I, I think that Joe Biden is a very smart man. I think that Joe Biden is doing a great job. If you look at what he's doing in office, what he's accomplished, he's it's, he's doing a really good job despite all the criticism that he gets. But what I'm saying, again, I'm Vulnerable. being analytical. I'm not saying that I agree with this. People are talking about his age and that is a concern for people I I meet. Now, if you you know speak to someone like my mother who is, you know, a die hard Joe Biden fan, she'll say, I like, I don't care. I like that he, you know, he's old enough, he's older and he has wisdom and that's important for a president. And I think she's right. But there are a lot of people who are concerned about his age. Joe Biden is concerned about it. He even said that he's concerned about it. So you know he knows that it's an issue so I don't but think you still you think know.
1: he's gonna win because now are the Republicans are trying to focus on Kamala Harris obviously um saying she'll be the real president um et cetera,
2: et cetera Well, that is you know people talk about that as well I think people I think people what would like Kamala Harris to be a little bit stronger um to have uh um, this is what they're saying to you yes to be a little bit stronger to have more accomplishments under her belt, to be seen, um, to be forward-facing a little bit more. The concern is that it, it, Joe Biden will drop her and then he won't get the black support and then blah, 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 blah. You know the whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't lean into any of that, but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what people say.
1: But you still think he's going to win and Don Donald Trump will not.
2: Yeah, I think he'll win. I think Donald Trump will not, but um, who knows?
1: And then we, you and I could go to Mar-a-Lago and interview him after that.
2: I would love to. I'd do it with you.
1: We'll make a Donald Trump sandwich.
2: Yeah, uh, let's, let's try to do that. So what do you think? What's your prediction?
1: Uh, my prediction? I'm going to go separately, not on Donald Trump, but on the writer's strike. I feel like it may settle by October 15th. I think, it's, I think there's some pain starting to feel by the studios who are in a better position from a leverage point of view. I think there's a lot of pain from writers and actors, and I don't think they're um, calling them rich people. People are is really working particularly well with the public, um, and I think they have to they have to settle in on some on some level and maybe push certain things down the road. I don't know. I just feel like maybe by October uh, they'll have to be settled. First will be the writers, then the actors. That's why I'm saying I think the writers will settle soon, and then the actors by then because they have to walk back. I interviewed Fran Drescher a lot of stuff they've said um, that you know not walk it back but tone it down like you know, that they're 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 a bunch of monopoly men, which may or may not be true. And they have been taking a lot of the value. And so I do think it's gonna um I think it's gonna settle before the new year. Now I didn't think. I thought January 15th was
2: I need to get my Don Lemon reality show into production oh before they come back with the content, Whoa, right? Are you
1: doing a reality? That would be so good.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what would you call
2: it? I'm j- I'm j- uh Joe. Uh, I don't know. I'm joking. Lemonade. Lemon life. I have no idea. Lemonade, lemonade, lemon life. When life gives you lemons, that's what it means. When be. life
1: gives you lemons. When
2: life gives you lemons. Oh my
1: God. Can I be in your reality show? Like we you can move should. into a, like a house in Provincetown and like, you know, lesbians around, some trans people will bring Ron DeSantis in after he loses, you know, nomination.
2: <laughs> Would you can watch make- that?
1: Oh, us with Ron DeSantis in a house in Provincetown? Are you kidding? It sells itself. It,
2: it sells would be it. my family, my dogs, you, and what do we have? You said we have some friends. Trans- oh, we've got trans- Ron DeSantis.
1: Uh, yeah. Got- <laughs> in the attic. Like flowers in the attic. We keep them up there and let them out every night. No, he's and- like,
2: yeah, but is it, no, is it it or thing?
1: Thing, or whatever, thing, thing. From thing. the Adams family. Oh, God, Don, that would be a lot of fun. Anyway, if you need any help figuring out your future, as you know, I understand these things rather well. So um, if you need any any podcasting help, if you're going to do that, um, you should go on Joe Rogan. It's not so much with Tucker. I'm sorry. I think you should rule that one out. Would you Um, would you
2: watch that? You and Tucker? Yeah,
1: I think he's a nasty piece of work. I think maybe back in the day. Sure. I, I used to like Crossfire. But I think, do you know moved. how many
2: people have proposed that Tucker I and I that. have an event and that we do it live streaming? And, you know, it's like a prize it, fight.
1: Here's how I feel like it. It, it it'll diminish you and not him. That's, mm. that's, I think just like Mark Zuckerberg in the cage fight, it diminishes Mark and not Elon. And I think mm-hmm. it diminishes you and not him. That's what I think. I think he gets a lot of purchase out of it and you do, because his fans are really the lowest group of people sometimes. Some of them, not all of them, but uh, I think it I think it diminishes you. I don't know, maybe. Maybe it could be an, if he comes back to the way he used to be, but I, I think he's walked down that road rather far. Speaking of... Racist remarks, sexist remarks, et cetera, et cetera, attacking people.
2: What do you so. think of Twitter? I Look, I think, well, or X, I think Twitter is, um, my gosh, it's such, it's an enormous platform that could do so much good. And it's important, especially to, it's, it has so much importance, especially to people who don't live in democracies, right? Yep.
1: Agree. Around the and world, not uh,
2: Around the world. And if Elon Musk could, and Linda Iacarino could just get it right.
1: I'm not I'm not confident that's going to happen. You're not. No, I don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I was one of the people, as you know, that thought it was a great thing. And then he's really turned it into a real shit show. So, because I hear listen.
2: nothing anymore about threads.
1: Really interesting. I like threads quite a bit.
2: I'm not saying I, I th- like it or dislike mm-hmm. it. I just, I'm just saying when people have issues or, you know, if there's a big deal, people go to Twitter still. If, if, if there's an announcement, people go to Twitter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a habit. I don't know. It could be great, but I don't think uh, under. I don't think he can make money, so it doesn't really matter. And if he wants to own it, like he owns a yacht or a baseball team, fine. A losing baseball team, that's fine. But, you know, he's rich and his. He makes a lot of money from other things. So, sure, I guess I don't know. Don, you love the Twitter. You haven't been on it lately.
2: No, no, I'm not. I'm. I. I stopped during the. I stopped using Twitter during the Trump era you know, when he was president, and they and people were started attacking but you read me. It. Um, no, not really. I don't. I have someone who does social media for me, and I'm going to go back to doing my own social media. I think now it's a little bit less toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, Try
1: Threads. I think it's good. I think but, it's well done. You know, Stay I on have Instagram.
2: To, yeah, and but I, I, I'll go back eventually. But anyway, I hope I did okay because you I'm, I'm kind of rusty.
1: Yeah, no, you're good. No, I was just telling someone you were pro. Anyway, Don, that's the show. You can come on anytime. You can come on anytime. I did get, I did get, I got half yay Don Lemon on Twitter and half that awful man, and on and oh. on and on about you. Well, that's
2: pretty good, don't you think? That
1: was good. I felt like it was fine. I, you, I wrote back, "Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'll, do who, I'll have who I want on this show. Thank you. That's really what I said. I'm like, get your own fucking show." And then see, I'm cursing a lot here now. Anyway, um, all right. I got to get back to Carnival. Everyone's all dressed. There's a is, lot of is Ken's that what you're outside. doing? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm. We're going down to a family reunion. But Carnival is getting for himself, is getting ready for Carnival, and the theme is toys.
2: You know what? I would come on your show show more often, but I feel objectified by Scott. <laughs> no, seriously, he has a weird crush on me. Don't you know that? He does.
1: I know that. I'm aware. I find it he distasteful. a
2: weird man crush, and I, I don't know. He it's does. a little creepy.
1: It is a little creepy because you're a handsome man. He loves a handsome man. You know, my mom thinks he's gay, but he's not, as you know. Is not he gay? He has a he he has a he has a tremendously beautiful and wonderful, smart wife. Uh, It's weird. He he does have a weird Don Lemon fixation.
2: He's gay-ish.
1: Gay-ish. Gay-ish. Yeah. 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 So I will I will have you on when he's not around. How about that?
2: All righty. Because
1: I don't want you to feel objectified, Don Lemon. Because I think you're in your prime again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so are you, you, my dear. So so are you.
1: They would be so mad. Why didn't you? You know what? He made a mistake. Thank you. Let's move uh, on. Come on,
2: and, and apologize for it, you and apologized. look at the. I don't know if it's. Well, that's a whole other story. But come on, yeah, yeah, you know. And I, I own what I. I own what I do.
1: Anyway, you know, glass houses. That's what I say. Anyway, uh, for I love most you. people, not everyone. I love you too. We'll be back on Tuesday with a break in Scott Free August. That's right. Scott can't quit us. Dot. I'm going to read us out. Today's show is produced by Lara Neyman, Zoe Marcus, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Andredat engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. And I'm so looking forward to the new reality show, When Life Gives You Lemons.
2: What do you mean you're going to read us
1: out? I don't know what that means. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. (laughs) Thanks, Don Lemon.